Hey everyone, big news, cool news, take advantage of what I'm about to say. Ella Acoustics is offering four training certification grants for the second year in a row now, and everyone knows they have great sounding rigs. They've revolutionized Pro Audio with their line source systems, and now it's your big chance to take advantage of our partnership. So they're giving away four certification grants so you can get credentialed on their unbelievable gear. And one of the things about L Acoustics is they've been committed to using the scientific method from the get-go to shape their innovations. So don't miss this. For more information, go to soundgirls.org and type in grant in the search bar. All the details about who's eligible are there. You're listening to the Soundgirls podcast. This episode is part of an ongoing series with the Living History Project. The Soundgirls Living History Project is a collection of interviews with audio industry veterans. The project seeks to highlight the careers and achievements of women and underrepresented groups in audio. Interviews are conducted by Soundgirls members with guidance from experienced interviewers in the audio industry. The oral history interviews are typically unedited and will be archived in their original form. The Soundgirls podcast is sponsored by QSC. imagine I mean you have to keep your eyes on the goal otherwise you'll get lost if you if you be too fragile I can imagine especially yeah I could never pull the girl card never pull the girl card like if you had cramps or if you uh, any of those nobody cares nobody cares you just have to that all that would do would put up a red flag Sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> about uh you know see see that's that's why you can't have women in the studio that's kind oh, of why yeah. yep. this because they have those issues there was yep. one engineer an older guy who was uh convinced that um uh if women were on their period and they spliced tape there would be a pop that we became magnetic <laughs> really we became magnetic if we were on our period so he didn't want women in the studio because because of that wow so so that was our term from then on if we were you know on our periods as are you magnetic (laughs) need a t-shirt no i'm not yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) no i'm not yeah yeah (laughs) Warning, I'm magnetic today. Yeah, go away, go away. <laughs> destroy our tape. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just so crazy, you know, stuff oh, like that. I had another guy talk, who would refer to women as the, the, the female race. The female race, okay. Yeah, like, <laughs> we'd laugh at that. I mean, we'd laugh behind his back about that. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, the female race, their brain's different. Their, you know, their lobes are further apart. They've proven this. And the female oh. race. And oh, my gosh. It's like, okay, and move on. <laughs> yeah, and we go, uh-huh, all right. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Hey, and and what, what time did you, because um, a lot of those albums, you were assistant engineer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What happened when you, what, at what point did you switch from? Uh, well, there was a very specific time 
very specific event that occurred. Uh, I was working on um, an album for a, an artist named Jean-Luc Ponty, who is a jazz uh, electronic violinist, French oh. violinist. And it was a wonderful record. And I had been at the village for two and a half or so years. Um, and I had, uh, you know, learned a lot. And the engineer on the project had, um, he was working on a few projects. He was um, much in demand. And so his brain was on a lot of things. So he was really happy that I could do um, some of the engineering, some of the overdubs and all of that. And uh, he was uh, very pleased to have an assistant who had that much experience yeah. because he was really needing to put energy into other things and be on the phone and stuff. So he was really glad that I could do this. Yeah. And, um, and then, so we were doing a full tracking date with drums, bass, guitar, piano, some of the best, you know, A-team session players. And we'd been cutting tracks for a few days and um, they had seen me in the studio, like there was, had to be strange, you know, there were weird time signatures like five, four, or, you know, yeah. nine, four or something or, oh, wow. and yeah. have to, um, you know, do, 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 do. you know, I could do these very strange punches. I could feel where they were supposed to go. Yeah. And, and um, so they had witnessed me being efficient in the studio. Well, the last day, it was a Friday, um, you know, downbeats at 10 o'clock and all these heavy hitters, triple scale session guys are in there and no engineer, no engineer, no engineer. And, and oh. finally calls in, he's been in a car crash <gasps> on the way there on the freeway and he's not hurt badly. This was before cell phones, you know, so he couldn't right. yep. call right away. He had to yep. go find a phone, but uh, he wasn't going to be able to make it in. And so they all just turned around and Jean-Luc and everybody, they looked at me and they said, well, you can do it, you know, sit down. Oh wow! So, yep. so that's that's Fluid. what it happened, and <laughs> so you can't. It it doesn't happen like okay, we're gonna you know you're gonna be a runner for this long, and then uh, and then after two months, you know we're gonna move you up to here, and then after no. the, it doesn't work like that no, at all. Yeah, your your abilities dictate how soon you move up and, and how you do things. Yeah. And, um, and uh, you just need to be ready. Like if that opportunity had arisen, if that thing had happened and I wasn't prepared. You would lose your uh, career. Well, yeah. I wouldn't have lost my career. I would have lost a very valuable uh, opportunity mm. because I hadn't prepared for for the unexpected. Yeah, yeah. And mm -hmm. So, uh, and I have to say, when you're 
recording on that level, um, it's an acquired skill. Mm -hmm. I had worked with many different producers and engineers building my tool set and yep. my own toolbox and learning from them. And I wasn't just learning technical stuff. The most important thing I think I was learning, and this is really important for working in a studio or working with a band or working with an artist. Or, and mm -hmm. I, I think it goes for live performance as well as in the studio is learning how to work with artists. Yeah and to work with those personalities and be that team player and be a problem solver yeah um yet know the subtleties and nuances of of the creative process yeah and i've witnessed so many great producers getting performances out of people, just how they worked with them. And I would just soak it up like a sponge, but, ah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was one record in particular that I worked on. There was this artist years ago um, named Debbie Boone. And she had this enormous hit song called, You Light Up My Life you make me something i don't know <laughs> it was it was an enormous song that was played at every wedding that was played okay, wow. everybody used this song just to the point of where you just you just yeah. could not <laughs> can't bear hear to hear this <laughs> song anymore and i'm sure she couldn't stand performing it after a while but um so I heard that she was coming in. Well, I was told that uh, she was coming in to do vocals on a record and I would be assisting. And I'm just going, oh, I got to work with Debbie Boone, you know, and, you know, one of those things. And so anyway, you go in and the uh, her producer was this incredible guy named Brooks Arthur. Who had produced a whole bunch of people and the situation was that she had one day to sing 10 vocals okay. for her record because she was leaving at six in the morning for a six month jap uh europe six months tour starting in japan and oh so we were there at uh started downbeat was at noon and Brooks sat myself down in the tech and there was one other person I think who was for her and he said I really need your help here you have to support me on this we have no wiggle room time wise she needs to be able to get all of these done it's going to be a long day and night and I need your support so I'm gonna have the light on me. The lights are gonna be down. Please stay to the side so she can only see me. Mm -hmm. And he was very, uh, you know, he was a, being a team player and a coach saying, I need you to be able to do, get us through this. So he engaged yeah. us yeah. 
we weren't, it wasn't like, all right, you guys just get out of here. I'm going to do this. And it's, it's us. And, you know, and if you say anything, you'll, I'll have you fired. You know, yeah. there wasn't anything like that. He totally engaged us. And then she comes in, total professional. And she goes in and, you know, tape takes a little longer. You know, you have to roll it back and you have to listen and then you have to punch in or whatever. Yeah. So she had 10 vocals, which wow. is a lot. Yeah, definitely. To do in one time. Yeah. And um, so we were all there and supportive and... I watched her be this professional and sing, and I watched him work with her, pull this out. It was, it was like a dance, wow. and we worked all night, and he'd get his performance, and she would rest in her chair while he listened back, and she drank you know, um, hot lemon tea with ginger or honey, and and her her husband would rub her feet or whatever and and uh she was a total pro and you know so often in the studio there was all of these cut-ups and all of those you know people you know doing lots of drugs or a lot of alcohol or both or you know um and uh there was none of that and Total focus. He got all the songs done. We worked all night. The limo came at 6 a.m. and picked her up and took her to the airport. Wow. And I had never written a fan letter in my life. Oh, wow. Until then. I yeah. wrote her a letter and telling her just how impressed. I was and how much I learned being an assistant on her session and what a real pro really is and blah, blah, blah. And here going in, I thought, "Eh, I don't want to work with her. (laughs) And um, that I learned more about producing vocals that long, long day and night than probably on any other session I've ever worked on. Wow. So that's so cool. You just never know uh, what you're going to learn. And, and so every single session is important. Yeah, true. True. Yeah, it really is. And yeah. in terms of working with great producers, Mike Chapman. Yes. Also, <laughs> him, of course, I can imagine. He was, he was really something. Um, he's the first one to tell you he's crazy and difficult <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. However, um, there's more to him than that. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of that he likes to, or liked, I don't, you know, I don't think he's like that now, but back mm-hmm. then he was just full of vim and vinegar and, and, was outrageous and uh, being his engineer was something quite an experience. Yeah. However, how did you meet? What do I mean by that? How, how did you two meet? How, how did we? You, you know, yeah. what? that's really interesting. I can't remember how we met, except that I heard somebody 
and I don't know who it was. I don't know how I found out that he was looking to have a female engineer. Mm. And I guess he had heard about me or had seen, uh, I was still at the village. Okay. Um, after the Jean-Luc um, Ponty incident, um, I was put on other uh, sessions kind of as an engineer, but I couldn't be a full-time engineer or else they'd have to let me go because they didn't have in-house engineers. So I, it was getting time for me to, you know, move, move on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, and this opportunity arose and a lot of people said, don't do it. Don't do it. He'll ruin your reputation. Cause he was such a crazy guy. And, uh, so I went to his office and met with him and he wanted, he was interested in creating the first woman producer. Oh, and wow. that cool. was intriguing to me. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, I want to do that. And, um, and he was very popular at the time. You know, he had a lot of hits with Blondie and, the Knack and Susie Quattro and Mud and Sweet and you know he'd written all of these songs but they were pop songs he and Nikki Chin his writing partner mm -hmm. I think it's mostly Mike well I you know I can't say I don't know um, <laughs> but uh, they would write these pop songs and then sometimes put a band together and record just that or uh, you know it wasn't it wasn't like the progressive rock like Supertramp or Steely Dan or somewhere where they were this sort of artist on this certain kind of level. These were pop songs and this was a whole, something different yeah. and different way of doing things. And um, um, my trajectory was, it had the sophistication and, you know, sheen to it and, and, uh, quality to it let's say that yeah. wasn't necessarily um uh important on that level um as far as recording quality and things like that however uh his, the production uh techniques that i learned from mike and he learned a lot about engineering from me actually yeah. and the bar kind of got raised um, for the quality of his recording. But at first it was, I was kind of like stunned. I didn't know, hadn't been around anybody like that. Wow. And um, who is just so out there and, uh, and that he was now my boss. Yeah. And I kind of had to hang in there and change how I felt about things and there you go with <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was uh he was always <laughs> doing crazy things and and yeah with his aviator glasses and he was he came on as the commander and would dress up like Patton and have a writing crop that he would hit on the <laughs> console and 
Oh, great. Yeah, it was insane. There was a lot of insanity. And some of it, I just was going, I'm, I don't know if I can take this or not. Um, <laughs> but um, but uh, I got to learn so much from him about producing, not just how to work with artists, because sometimes, you know, we butted heads on how that went. But um, also the, the business end of it. You know, he was, uh, he was in charge of, you know, the budget and, and um, uh, the recording schedule and all these different things that before I had not had access to as being uh, just working with a producer in a studio that they booked. I'm now working with a producer who owns a production company and I'm working for him. Yeah. You know, uh, Chinny Chap and Dreamland Records, they formed their own record label. And so I was learning much more about the, the business end of things too, yeah. which was really important, but also yeah. how to get performances. And he, um, he had some drastic ways of doing things that I, uh, like, uh, I'd seen this sometimes with other people trying to get somebody mad to get a performance out of them and uh, being really rough on someone. Mm. And I still personally, um, that's not how I would get a performance out of someone. I would want to empower them. And mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's I would, yeah, I'd see him do that. And, and, mm -hmm. and like with Tanya Tucker one time, he was just really rough on her and mm -hmm. she got so mad and she just sang the song and he went perfect. That's, that's the attitude I needed. But sorry, I had to put you in that place, but we got what we wanted. Wow. And yeah. I just went, oh, it's, it's, it's not nice to be in the room then. <laughs> no, and I, I've, I've, it was offensive, you know, to me. And, and I always wondered if, do we have to get to that place to get what we want really? And, um, but I did learn how to work. Uh, he had a lot of female artists. And so I, learned how to record women who have much greater dynamics, mm -hmm. um, how to get that down. We work very quickly. Mm -hmm. So uh, fortunately I could keep up. And um, uh, I learned a lot of really good techniques in how to capture performances quickly and how to inspire performances. And it, I remember he was working with this one artist and um he was being really rough on her and she just started sobbing and all that and he in and i was just infuriated and he said that's it i'm you know i'm gonna go play pinball or asteroids or you know um you do it and he slammed the door and um uh so i calmed her down and uh and i said we can do this together and you've got it in you and whatever. And we, he said, let me know when you're done. And um, 
and so we did and I did and she felt better and she did really well and he was very pleased and maybe he was just you know kind of being like that with me or something I don't know what it was but that that was a turning point for me too uh as far as how I would choose to to work to work and produce and empower as opposed to degrade and um and that has worked well for me and I've been brought in um you know a few times where somebody else was being very rough with someone and they'd say we you know we can't work with this guy can you know He's tearing our artists apart. Can you, mm -hmm. can you work with her? Yeah. And yeah. yeah, and we definitely get what we wanted. But, wow. uh, you know, that, well, yeah. I'm, you got to piss them off. You got to make them mad. You got to, you got to, you know, beat them down so you'll get that attitude you want. Like, oh, mm -mm. Wow. oh, that's tough. <laughs> yeah. No, I can imagine. I, I wouldn't want to work also that way. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. very unsettling i don't like a lot of drama i like a lot of positive stuff i like to dance if i'm not dancing when i'm hearing something then it's not quite it's right not <laughs> to the point yeah. where the artists say whatever studio we would choose to work at they'd say i need to be able to see lanice because if she's not dancing i have to make sure she's dancing oh yeah 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 but then they know they're doing something right yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what they know it works yeah because oh, wow. i stand up a lot you know i stand up and i dance and i move and i'm moving around and i'm i like to work quickly i like to inspire and capture performances oh, wow. oh that's so, beautiful that's yeah beautiful. and for your album oh let me i also got this one. Oh, oh yay yep Love. very proud of that record oh it's americana and, i also mm -hmm. have um, I hope you can see it because it was because of the colors. Oh, there it is. Yeah. 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 And it's so, it's so cool. You got a Emmy for this one, right? No, I got, uh, well, it was a platinum album. I'm just oh, platinum first, album. Excuse first me. Woman to get a platinum album. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Okay. Emmys are for television. But oh yeah, okay. of course. Um, yeah. I'm very oh, proud record and it was so much fun to do because every single song was a completely different style if you listen to the record yeah. you will hear anywhere from like um, a jazzy sort of song to a punk sort of song to a rock song to um, there's one that sounds like a tv theme song called go through it sounds like a western yeah. Uh, there's my first orchestra I did on that record. Oh, wow. Um, uh, a very Caribbean song, um, pop song. And um, yeah, I just, it was so fun to be so creative with the different microphones and taking the different styles of the songs and creating a, a sound design. Yeah. to support that style and you can hear the difference yeah um on, on all the songs song. yeah yet there's continuity there because it's debbie's voice through the yeah. whole thing wow. um but 
so many different arrangements and different styles and all of that. So the mastering was really important too, to um, keep that signature sound. There would be a signature sound to the record. Yeah. Yet there's extreme diversity between the different songs and performances. So it was a great record to work on. And, and I was so looking forward to that record and, and I'm, and I learned a ton from Mike for some reason, when he started working on Blondie on this record, Mm -hmm. uh, he raised his bar too, or I saw a side of him I hadn't seen on some other albums he had worked on. Oh, wow. But that's so cool. We elevated each other actually. Yes. Yeah, we did. Uh, We supported each other a lot on that record. Um, I learned, tons from him and and I think he he depended on me for my recording chops also the relationships I had with um, um, musicians that mm-hmm. who would be good for the different songs for him to contract yeah and, um, because you brought in a lot of different musicians right for the for this record yeah yeah, yeah. and I yeah. was able to to be very instrumental in that because mm-hmm. I'd worked with them on you know on other records yeah in the past yeah. so how long did you work on this album oh god uh I would say wait it's all kind of a blur uh, <laughs> <laughs> um I would say maybe three months oh wow not that not that long compared no, that's, to that's, the other ones exactly um, yeah. we did all the basic tracks at uh, a studio called united studios um and then next door was western recording it was united western back in those days now it's united and east west studios so okay. it was, we did all our overdubs and mixing in studio three which is the pet sounds room yeah um, at uh, East West, formerly known as Western Recorders. Yeah. So. Um, oh wow. Yeah, very magical room. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh wow, yeah. that's amazing. And yeah. of course, the the music industry also. I mean, it's if you make such long hours, if you have to be on point all the time. Mm-hmm. I can imagine that at some certain point you have to take a break or yeah. refresh or stop or yeah. In, in um, your case, it was different, of course. Maybe you can tell us about that. No, it wasn't different at all. It's exactly what happened. I ended up, um, uh, we did so many records one after another for, he had eight artists on his label dreamland mike did and uh so we popped those records out and then there were some other records that um as well from other labels we did some work with share we did some work like i said with tanya tucker we did some I'm trying to think who all we had so many um we worked up in sausalito at the record plant up there for three albums yeah. right in a row. Um, then we came back 
down to LA and uh, we did we did strings for the knack at the um, Air Studios London. Oh wow! I got to go oh. and work with the LA Philhar with the London Philharmonic Strings. Oh wow, that's awesome. That was great, yeah. and um, but yeah, it was just like we cranked those out, and uh, I ended up getting sick. I ended up getting stomach cancer. Oh, I was wow. diagnosed with stomach cancer. Um, six and a half albums into the dreamland stuff. And we had eight albums to do with that. And then the Blondie record was coming after that. And I needed, I wanted that Blondie record. So I hung in there. And, uh, but the day after I mastered that with Steve Hall, um, I drove down to Mexico and checked into um, a cancer clinic there. And the doctor said, quit your job or die. Oh, wow. So I had to take a little cancer break and I was ready. I was exhausted. Uh, And yeah, so I got well. Yeah, fortunately. Yeah. yeah. So happy. Yeah. Yeah. And took um, an early retirement for a few years and then um, uh, then came back. Extra tough, of course, because you had to quit your love i mean if you love what you do mm-hmm. i mean it's hard if you hear the bad news of course but extra hard if you have to quit what you yeah. do yeah well um, you know what though i needed a break yeah. i needed a break and so um this i was, was kind of relieved <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah and um so i took a break and then um, uh, traveled around quite a bit, courtesy of the relationship I was in at the time. Was I'm very grateful to this person because it allowed me to be able to get well and to, yeah. you know, afford all of that. Yeah. And uh, and then that ended. That relationship ended, and um, so I came back to work and uh, I didn't feel like I could handle the stress of the music business mm-hmm. um, because that's kind of what got me in the shape I was in before. So I didn't feel confident to do that yet. So I uh, went into post-production audio and um, and actually that that was quite, quite good for me I could apply my skills and and also my musical expertise even though it was much more structured and um, you know doing sound design isn't quite as uh, heartwarming as um, working with music but uh, I was grateful that I could make a good living and um, so was it easy to get into audio post-production for you I had to start at the bottom again after being this, you know, hit engineer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I I was had this peak going and made this great record and then boom, had to stop. Um, That kind of slammed on the brakes as far as um, my career went, but absolutely necessary. And, um, 
Uh, so going into post-production, which I hadn't done before, I had to start at the beginning and I sat in on sessions that went all night to learn how to do shoot Foley, record Foley, which is um, sound effects, organic sound effects, and the sound design and all the things that took to what um, post-production audio was about. Yeah. And uh, my first job that I got, my hours were 1 a.m. to 9 a.m. Oh, wow. Really horrible hours. Oh, that's uh, But I had to start somewhere. To watch the rest of the episode, you can go to the Sound Girls YouTube page or to soundgirls.org. Thank you for listening to the Sound Girls podcast, sponsored by QSC. Join us next week on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google, or wherever you find your podcasts. For more information, check out our website at soundgirls.org. Looking for more audio-related podcasts? Check out our friends at the Audio Podcast Alliance. To see all of the other podcasts in the Alliance, make sure to visit audiopodcast.org.